the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on Earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country tears Sweet land of liberty of Beyonce. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob Frantz. Well, good morning, my friends. Thank you so much for joining us on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. It is eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Tuesday, the seventh morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2023. The polls have been open for a couple of hours now, and we are deciding whether or not Ohio is going to be a state that leads the country in protecting and preserving life, or if we are going to be the first domino to fall all across the country in which life is sacrificed for the sake of convenience. And at the end of the day, it it really comes down to little more than that. I'm not overly prepared for this show, and I'll tell you why. Last night I spent about three hours preparing for this show that usually couples uh, with about an hour and a half or so before we hit the airwaves in the morning. But this morning, I have not done that part of my prep. Um, my, uh, My attention this morning has been on my phone, and I have been texting people all morning long. Dozens and dozens of people, as a matter of fact, 
And I've literally just been burning through my contact list, trying to figure out who's in Ohio and which of my friends are you know, no longer in Ohio and thus not here to vote and so forth. Um, but that's literally all I've been doing. And I've been texting them this message to text five other people to get out today and vote no on issue one. Now, I haven't emphasized issue two as much for obvious reasons. It's Issue one is that monumental. Issue, one, issue two is very important as well, and I will spend time on this radio broadcast talking about issue two, in fact, in some depth, how we have to vote no on that as well. But issue one is directly a matter of life and death. And so the message I've been texting so many people, dozens and dozens, on my contact list this morning uh, is text five friends, vote today to protect parental rights, protect legalizing abortion, or excuse me, prevent legalizing abortion up until the day of birth, and vote no on issue one. Now, this was not my idea. I always try to give attribution when I can. I received a message yesterday from Stephanie Stock from Ohio Advocates for Medical Freedom. And Stephanie asked me if I would help share this texting message. And I said, sure, what do I have to do? And she sent me the graphic that she or somebody else at OAMF created uh, and said, just post this on your social media and, and ask people to, uh, you know, to do this. And I saw the graphic, and I absolutely loved it. I support it. I've posted it. It's on my Facebook page. It's on my Twitter page. It's on my Instagram page. It's on my Truth Social page. And then I took it and I coupled it with a message that I've been sending to groups of people all morning long from my contact list. <clears throat> and what most of them say is, I apologize for the group text, but I am texting five friends to remind them to vote no on issue one today because all lives matter including preborn lives, please do the same. Uh, no doubt some people listening to my voice right now received one of those texts from me. Uh, if you haven't, the day is young. I will be, <laughs> I'm going to be texting more people during the commercial breaks. I'm going to be texting people uh, as much as I can because as powerful as the microphone that I have is, um, you have to have the radio on. Or have you know be listening to the stream through your Amazon device or your Google device or your or your phone or our free mobile app, however it is that you hear this program. You have to have it on. Um, the transmitter and the microphone are powerful things, and I and I like to think that I've reached thousands and thousands of people through this the course of this this fight to protect life and to protect against this barbaric. Um, <laughs> Parents right stripping, baby killing until moment of birth, constitutional amendment that they have come up with from the pits of hell. I like to think I've reached thousands and thousands of people through the through the microphone, but like I said, the radio has to be on for this to work. Why is the text message idea better? Maybe even than radio? Because you don't have to have your uh, you don't have to have your radio on. You have just have to have your phone on. And you'll get a ding or a bleep or a vibration or something. And then you will have to look at it and see who texted me 
And then you'll look down and you'll see the message. The message that says, hi, I'm texting five friends to remind them to vote no on issue one today because all lives matter, including pre-born babies. Please do the same. And they'll see the graphic that Stephanie and her crew with OAMF came up with. And it's eye-catching. And then they'll send that to five other people. And away we go. And they also don't have to have their radios on to get the message. They'll get the same ding or bleep or whatever and or vibration, and they'll look and they'll say, yeah, that's a good idea. Now, I should also point out that many people are going to get it and then just say, already did it, and move on. I'm getting some responses from people like that already. Already voted, voted early, already voted no, I'm good. And then what do you do? Then you have to be a little bit more clear in the mission. What I am saying to people in response to that is, great, now text five more people. That's got to be the mission today. It isn't just to remind you, text recipient, to vote no today. You now need to take this same message and put it to five people in your contact list. That's the mission. I know there are pro-life people who are in Ohio today who will not vote today because they'll get behind. They'll forget. They had planned to vote early, but they never got around to it, and now they didn't leave, leave time for themselves today in their busy day to go to work or before work to go and vote on the way to the, uh, to the, to the office or the job site or at lunchtime. Or after work, or they got held over and had to do two hours of OT. They were supposed to be done at five. Now they got to work till seven. Now they can't get there in time for the polls. Do you understand? There are just things that happen. They need a reminder. Carve out time today to get it done. So I have spent, uh, like I said, but you know, the goal here and it was to was to to text five, and I've texted I don't know. Like I said, dozens, probably probably close to 75, I think, over the course of several group texts and several individual texts. If you are among them, uh, thanks for not blocking me because uh, people don't generally don't like to re- receive text uh, uh, campaign messages from, you know, from campaigns or from bots and things like that. This is not a bot. I'm signing my name at the bottom so people know that it came from me. That's what you might want to do to make sure this is personalized in case you reach somebody that doesn't recognize your phone number and doesn't have your name in their contact list or whatever. Just trying to make this uh, try to make this your mission today. We got uh, we got what ten more hours or so roughly to vote, uh, and, uh, and and I think every single reminder that we send can be crucial. All right, so that's uh, the mission today. Coming up on the program, we're going to talk. By the way, it's Tuesday. Normally, it's cursing out day. It's not today though. It I think it's fortuitous to be honest with you. It's our good fortune that Peter Kersenow messaged me last night and said he has an unavoidable conflict with the uh, law practice that he kind of runs on the side (laughs) of being a media figure and a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights and an author and columnist and so forth. He actually has to run his law practice. Uh, So he he said he's going to have to come on later in the week, which is good. We'll do that. But rather than fill his spot with one other interview from 10 to 11, uh, what we decided to do today is we are going to open up the phone lines to all conservative candidates who want to be heard. 
I mean, we will take calls from non-conservative candidates, too, because the FEC laws, the Federal Election Commission laws, and the FCC laws, the Communications Commission, say that we have to. And I absolutely will. If you want to call and have a, 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 a chance to tell us why you're voting yes on issue one today and you're willing to have that discussion with me, by all means, let's have that discussion. I am begging you to have that discussion. If you are a left-wing candidate for school board that wants to keep pornographic literature and illustrations in books on your school library shelves for your kids and other kids to uh, absorb, and you want to make that case for me, I'll take that call too. Chances are pretty good, though, that I'm going to get a whole bunch of people who are more conservative-minded who don't feel those that way about those things who are going to want to call today. So if you are a conservative school board candidate, mayoral candidate, city council candidate, I, I don't care what, what race you're in, I want to give you a chance to promote yourself today. So particularly between 10 and 11, coming up at 945, we're going to talk to the Secretary of State, Frank LaRose, about the uh, balloting today, a little bit about ballot language on Issue 1 as well. That's coming up at uh, 1110. Uh, we're going to talk with Sue Liebel, or Liebel, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce her last name, but we're going to talk to her uh, about uh, about Issue 1 as well. And in between, like I said, we're going to have a full hour of just campaign calls if you are interested in making them. I had somebody text me last night who said, hey, can you know, can I get this person on or talk about this person that I'm supporting for a city council race in uh, Broadview Heights? And I said, sure, I'm going to have this hour-long uh, period. So whether it's the candidate himself or a surrogate for a candidate, yes, we will take those calls uh, between 10 and 11. We're going to take advantage of the time. Like I said, I think sometimes things work out a certain way for a reason. This could be very beneficial to those who are trying to win very close races, particularly if I may in the school board race um, uh, environment. Uh, I, I've got a friend who is not only a friend, he is a sponsor of this show, and he has been a sponsor of the show for 15 years, who is standing outside his, of his polling location right now because he is running for school board in his district in Brooklyn. And I think he may call between 10 and 11 o'clock today. And I strongly support him because of why he is running for school board. The same reason we had people uh, called yesterday who were running for school board in uh, in uh, uh, North Royalton. We had calls. Uh, we had a call yesterday from, um, and I'm going to try to remember his name. It was Mike. I remember that part. And uh, but Mike called us. He is running with the M&M. It's kind of the running together with the M&M squad, as he called it. Um, uh, Mike, uh, what is Mike's name? What was Mike's last name for school board in North Royalton? Do you have that? Do you remember that from yesterday, Seth or, or Marianne? Tellup. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. So Mike called, and I was glad to get that because we talked about why he's running. Mike Tellup, T-E-L-E-P. Um, and, um, you know, and we, he talked about why he's running for school board. And I will tell you, I have a very, very high regard in a special place uh, in in my you know in my heart I guess um, for parents who are willing to step up and walk the walk and not just talk the talk people running for school board um, when we talk about everything that's going on with the indoctrination that has replaced education in most of our government run schools and that's what a public school is you should probably get used to the new vernacular 
It's not a public school. It's a government-run school. It is teaching only what the government wants to teach, and it is not teaching education. It is teaching indoctrination. It is replacing American history with the revisionist CRT version of American history, or CT, meaning critical theory, not just race, but otherwise. It is um, it is teaching uh, sexualization to very young children. It is teaching biological uh, misinformation to to children. It is exposing kids to things that they are not supposed to be exposed to or have a promoted uh, or coerced, you know, promoted uh, promoted to them or coercing them. Government-run schools are very dangerous places right now. And what have we said? How do we get control of that? Well, we get control of that by getting control of the boards. That's how. So parents or community members, maybe retirees who are so worried and concerned about what's going on in these government schools, they're stepping up and running and saying, okay, I'll do it, rather than waiting for the next person. That's why I have a special uh, you know, feeling about them, and I have a very, very strong support for them. So I want anybody who's a school board candidate trying to change the direction of education in their government-run school district, uh, we're going to have them on. But like I said, we'll take calls from candidates. So spread that word, by the way. <clears throat> I didn't get this word out to anybody on yesterday's program because I didn't know that Peter Kirsten I was going to be uh, postponing until late last night. So I, the word is just getting out now. I'm just, this is the first. So if you've got candidates for school board in your district, and I don't care what, care what part of Northeast Ohio you're in, and quite frankly, all of Ohio, you know, that's the, 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 the one thing, as much as the Internet has been a pain in our rear ends, it has also enabled us to reach more people than ever before. It used to be you could only hear the sound of my voice through, you know, and people like me uh, through the radio signal. And where the radio fades, the radio fades. But with streaming, now we reach the world, and that means all of Ohio as well. So even people who want to make a case, if you're down in central Ohio and you want to make a case for a candidate, and there may be other central Ohio listeners who listen to AM 1420 The Answer and listen to Always Right Radio. So, I mean, we will literally, if you know somebody who's running for board who's on the right side of things or running for a council seat or a mayoral seat and it's on the right side of things, when I say right side, I mean that in both uh, definitions of the word in the same way that we call it always right radio. Right is incorrect, but also right as in conservative and family values oriented. That's what it's all about. So if you've got those uh, people that you do, uh, that you think should benefit or could benefit from reaching this vast audience, by all means, call, tell them to call me at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. That's what we're going to do between uh, 10 and 11 o'clock today. As noted, in about 20 minutes at 945, we'll talk to the Secretary of State, Frank LaRose, get his view on the uh, elections today. Obviously, he is running the elections to make sure that they run smoothly, but he is also... <clears throat> As Secretary of State, he's responsible for the ballot language that uh, you know that the ballot board, which he chairs, uh, uh, put together for Issue One. It's been the source of some controversy, but I think we have some good news about that to share as well. So we're going to talk to him about all of it uh, and why, because he is, of course, a no vote on Issues One and Two. But we'll talk to him about why and uh, and what that all means at nine forty-five. Then we'll take more of your phone or take your phone calls and candidates' phone calls as well, all the way to eleven ten. Well, we'll talk more about issue one then. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Before we take our first time out, friends, let's pledge our allegiance to the great flag that represents the great nation that gives us this right to democracy, and that's what this is. This, by the way, for those who continue to you know maybe misunderstand when we say democracy, we practice democracy. 
We are not a democracy. We are a representative republic, a constitutional republic, but we practice democracy when we go to the polls, and that's what it's all about today. So if you believe in the freedom that we have under that flag, then let's pledge our allegiance to it. If you are here today to take freedom away from people by, you know, uh, supporting their killing before they're even born to to, to clean air, uh, if you are supportive of of taking the life away from from live human beings that have a right to that life, like the rest of us, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, if you are for taking away that right to life, then that flag probably doesn't mean to you what it should. You can you you can you can stay seated, or better yet, do what you ought to do and take a knee while the rest of us stand proudly and say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with... Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France and The Answer. Okay, 934. Thanks so much for being with us on uh, Always Right Radio, AM 1420. The answer, it's election day. It's a day we've all been pointing to. Uh, It's so crucial that we get out there and vote no on issue one and also vote no on issue two. And there are so many other issues that are in different counties around Northeast Ohio, and I want to give them all uh, time today. Important issues, particularly, you know, and again, we will be fair to everybody, no matter where you come down. And if you want to call me and make a case for yes on issue one, bring it, but make sure that you stay on the line for the debate portion, because I really, really want to have those conversations. Um, but there are other things, too. For example, in the county in which I reside, which is Lorraine County, there is a, a ballot uh, item issue number 20 that is uh, for expanding the uh, board of County Commissioners from three to seven, and some people say, "Why would you want to do that doesn 't that increase the size of government no it doesn 't what it does is it increases um, representation for the rest of the county most uh, often in fact, almost always the three commissioners um, in Lorraine County <clears throat> focus on the two biggest cities in the county, which are Lorraine and Illyria, and that 's it and there is very little representation for all of the smaller towns and townships in Lorraine County. They just get ignored. Uh, this seven-member board would expand to give those other areas representation as well. It doesn't increase the cost of commissioners. It's not as though three salaries are now given to seven different people. It's The pot is now split seven ways instead of three. So it's true service, and it's true representation for the rest of the county. So if you're a Lorraine County voter, uh, like I am, I'm going to urge you to vote yes on issue 20 and expand the commission to seven members to make sure all corners of the county get represented, and it's not just big interests in the two biggest cities uh, that are uh, that are uh, that are running things. So those are the kinds of things I'm talking about. So if you've got issues that you want to support in candidates, you want to support school board candidates, uh, judge candidates, judicial candidates, and other things, by all means, we're going to take your calls today. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. We're going to start out right now in Berea with uh, Joanna Hamrick. Uh, Joanna, welcome to Always Right Radio. Uh, good morning. Uh, go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you, Joanna. So we have a very hot race going on out here. Uh, I'm running against two 
career Democrat politician for the Bria Clerk seat in uh, Bria, Brook Park, Middleburg Heights, Olmstead Falls, Township, and Strongsville. In the middle, <laughs> excuse me, mm-hmm. in the middle of the uh, Republican endorsement for the county, we had two Republican mayors, Strongsville's mayor, Mayor Persiak, and Bria's mayor, uh, Mayor Claim, mm-hmm. who contested my endorsement and have uh, really proven their rhino ranking. So uh, it's, it's been quite an interesting run. And uh, we, we effectively uh, campaigned for nine months, and uh, we're ready to go. We're ready for results in whatever path God's laid for me. I will uh, accept that challenge, and I'm praying for that. And uh, I thank you for having me uh, speak to you uh, about the, the cities over here. So, Well, before really you go, it. before you go, Joanna, uh, briefly give, give us um, uh, a quick word on what sets you apart. Uh, why did those rhinos oppose your candidacy, or your endorsement, rather? And tell me, tell me what sets you apart. So the two rhinos, uh, the one rhino in Berea, I ran for mayor here when I was 28 years old, and uh, he still obviously uh, is is uh, having his issue with that. And then the other rhino in Strongsville, uh, from my understanding from the Strongsville politicians, uh, he wants my opponent, Mary Rose Ocar's nephew, Joseph DeMeo, out of uh, the city. So they're going to shove them off into the judicial system. Our judicial system here uh, has been uh, under uh, Mr. Raymond Wool for 30 years and the judge, Mark Comstock, for 24. So it's truly the end of an era. My uh, business operations and managerial experience sets me apart. Uh, my one opponent is a bailiff. Um, so, you know, he's, you know, he signs the back of a check for the county, <clears throat> his, uh, his O purse retirement will grow exponentially with his uh, increase of salary. Uh, the other opponent is a uh, former Ford Union boss and uh, one-term mayor of Brook Park, and uh, he really didn't campaign. We're not real sure, you know, what what he did. He ran some commercials on that. He didn't do anything else. Uh, neither neither of the men campaigned the whole time till the end, and uh, they started scrambling. So mm-hmm. it's, been, it's been quite a run. Uh, I think it's time for new blood. I mean, I think we need new people that are going to represent people and stay true to who they are and not turn into uh, what we have today. And that's the problem in this country and in this region. And uh, I've worked bipartisan. Uh, I've worked the bipartisan aspect of it with with all people because that's what the court represents. And yeah, that's a good point when it comes to when it comes to clerk positions and judicial positions. Yeah, it is. It's uh, you know it's supposed to be nonpartisan, but you still can't have your uh, you know your your principles and your values that drive you. And uh, you should be able to represent and work with all people. So I'm glad to hear that. So Joanna, Joanna, I appreciate your call. Uh, Thank you for for getting out the word. You're running for a clerk in Berea Municipal Court and uh, and those other uh, uh, cities and townships. And I wish you the very best today thank you all right let's uh we're going to stay in Bree. i'm going to get one more call in before we have uh secretary of state larose on the line he'll be joining us here in about five minutes but uh, michelle lynch is also in berea she is running for municipal court judge michelle good morning go right ahead uh good morning bob thank you for having me um yeah so um my situation is a little bit different um i i sort of came into the race late um i have 25 years of experience now um, come November, and I, well, the reason I sort of I entered the race, I 
was a former magistrate and acting judge in Berea Municipal Court for almost seven years, and I was actually discouraged from running. Um, I was out for a walk, and someone said, "Don't run. Um, you're gonna you're gonna get hurt if you run." I wasn't sure really what they meant by that, and you know, practicing in the courts, and most of my work has been in municipal courts. Uh, I used to always see that you know a lot of judges they don't have an opponent, and um, and I always wondered why. And I, I've never been involved in politics. This is my first foray into politics. And and I have a very good job uh, right now. I work mostly in the uh, federal bankruptcy court. And and quite frankly, all the endorsements came out um, prior to me announcing. And I thought that was sort of odd. I thought, you know, Republican and Democrats uh, endorsed my opponent. I thought, how can you endorse somebody when the deadline hasn't even passed? Um, and you don't even know who the opponent could be. I mean, you could have the chief justice of the Supreme Court running. And so I thought, you know, don't complain if you're not going to do anything about it. So I entered the race. And lo and behold, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting the brick wall on things. But I'm doing my part, um, making sure that people have a choice. And I'm not a politician. Um, never have been. I don't think judicial candidates should be politicians. It doesn't matter what party we're from. Um, I've always been fair. I've always um, treated people respectfully. I know the, you know, the problems the courts have, and um, I have ideas on how to change it and make it a better system so that we just don't keep doing the same old, same old. Um, and I have fresh ideas. I know how to do budgetary things because I currently am uh, representing, I'm legal counsel for the Chapter 13 trustee. I've helped people get out of debt. I've helped small businesses get out of debt. So I bring a lot of experience, and I'm doing this because I truly want to help people. Um, well, 20, 25 years, yeah, 25 years, Michelle Lynch, uh, in the courts is uh, is a lot of experience, uh, you know, in trials and criminal and civil matters and so forth. So so I, I appreciate your call, uh, and I'll remind everybody else, it's Michelle Lynch running for municipal court judge in Berea. Uh, Michelle's website is lynchforbereajudge.com. I try to look these, these things up as I get these calls so we can tell people where to find your information. Michelle, thank you for the call, and best of luck today. All right. It's Election Day 2023, and uh, the man responsible for running the elections in the state of Ohio is the Secretary of State. That man happens to be Frank LaRose, who does join us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Secretary LaRose, good to talk to you again. How are you this morning? I'm doing well, Bob. It's been a good day so far. Thousands of polling locations open throughout the state, and Ohioans are making their voices heard. I've been told by some people who voted before work this morning that the uh, the lines are strong already. What kind of turnout are you expecting based on previous you know experiences with this or, or or surveys? What kind of turnout can we expect today? Well, let's start with the early vote numbers. Eight hundred and sixty-four thousand five hundred and twenty-five Ohioans have already voted by the time early voting closed uh, on Sunday evening. Uh, that's a strong number, and we anticipate that we're going to have strong turnout today. There's generally a do, you have, do you have a comparative, uh, Mr. Secretary, do you have a comparative, like, uh, in terms of previous elections, early voting, like how, how that holds up? 
that number, 864,000, is about 100,000 more than we saw in August. It's hard to make an apples-to-apples comparison, though, with these odd-numbered years because it really is a localized phenomenon. If you got a sure. hot mayor's race in one town, you may see higher turnout, for example. Got it. Okay, good. Um, so it, with respect to, you know, and obviously there are a lot of races and a lot of issues in a lot of places, uh, but the statewide ones, issues one and two, are, are, are extraordinarily important there. Do you have any sense of, based on the early voting numbers, the way those votes are trending, particularly on issue one? Yeah, those are, uh, that's an analysis that's done by the campaign. Obviously, we don't do that, but I, I've heard uh, some reports from the no on one campaign that they feel optimistic that based on the early votes that they saw, they think that we've got a good chance of still being able to beat this really terrible, radical constitutional amendment today. But it's all going to come down to how many people show up and vote. And uh, we won't know that until we start adding up the results tonight at 730. Um uh, it's interesting the way you phrase that, um, because you're the Secretary of State, so you have to run the elections, which you do, and you run them in an impartial way, which you do. But you do have a feeling, and you are obviously very vocally opposed to Issue 1, uh, and, and I believe Issue 2 as well. How do you navigate that as a, as a person, uh, a, a voter in Ohio, who, who has his own opinion, uh, but you have to run an election that's fair and you can't be perceived as being somehow tilting things in, in, a, in a way that you favor? You know, Bob, it's not unlike the rules that I operate under as a soldier, right? Uh, As a member of the armed forces, I don't make my political opinions known when I'm in uniform. I have my off-duty work and my on-duty work. And so my on-duty work as the Ohio Secretary of State is to run clean elections, honest elections, convenient elections, and we do that. But just like every other Secretary of State that's held this office, I'm going to speak out on issues that are important to Ohio. And on issue one, uh, this is really it's about the soul of our state. I mean, if this radical abortion amendment passes, Ohio would be the most extreme state in the country. That's not who we are as a people, as a state. Late term abortion, taking away parental rights, possibly opening the door to underage gender transition. That's not who Ohio is. And so I've been out speaking out loudly, campaigning, doing door knocking, uh, everything we can do around the state to get out a no vote on, on issue one. Yeah, and I'm very glad to hear you doing that. And I've I've, I've actually, well, we were at an event together before the uh, August election, the special election, which, of course, would have made things a lot easier today to defeat this radical extremist thing if we had raised the threshold for constitutional amendments to 60 percent. So that did not work. But I know you have been very active uh, and, and out there. Um, how important is it, do you think, nationally for the state of Ohio to reject extremism? Because we see extremism on the coasts. We see it in New York and in Massachusetts yeah. and in, yep. you know, in Oregon and in, 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 in California and so forth. But we're in the middle of the heartland. We're a red state where Republicans sweep the statewide elections, not district elections, which people, many on the left complain, is, are gerrymandered. But statewide elections, we're a red state. If a red state in the heartland like ours adopts the most extreme abortion language, what does that say? Uh, what message does that send to the rest of the country? As goes Ohio, so goes the nation. It's um, It's been said many times, but it's true here. The eyes of the world, the eyes of the nation are on Ohio. And this is part of a nationwide strategy by the far left. Let's think about this. Ohio is a test market state. We're a microcosm of the country in many ways. And so if it works in Ohio, it'll work in other states. And that's why a lot of uh, billionaires on the East Coast and the West Coast have funded this radical effort in Ohio as a proof of concept. If they can get this passed in Ohio, then we know what's going to happen. They're going to go to those same billionaires on the coast and they're going to say, hey, look what we did in Ohio. 
give us a few million more dollars, and then we're going to go do it in a dozen other states. And so if this thing is not beaten here in Ohio, we're going to see it tried nationwide in 2024. And uh, that's why we have a responsibility here in Ohio to defeat this thing and to do so soundly today. We're talking with the Secretary of State, the man in charge of Ohio's elections, uh, Frank LaRose. Um, you and I spoke a couple of nights ago about ballot language, and today there is, oh, I shouldn't say today, this actually was an NBC4 news report. Is that Columbus, NBC4? Uh, yeah, it's Columbus. Um, this uh, was actually from a few days ago, but I just got word of this today, that um, a new poll suggests that the ballot language that was decided to put on uh, you know, the, the actual ballots for this particular issue uh, by the ballot board um, is potentially going to favor the no on issue one side. In fact, it's gotten a lot of complaints and a lot of concern from those who want to pass issue one. You and I spoke about some concern about the language that some on the no side were, were worried about that might, uh, that might actually affect it. What can you say about the ballot language and the changes that were made, particularly because of what the Ohio Supreme Court decided? Well, you're right. I was attacked because of the truthful language that we voted as a ballot board. I chair the ballot board. That's the body that writes the language that appears on the, on the ballot. I was attacked because I had the temerity to make the ballot language say pregnant women. They wanted it to say pregnant patient, right? Uh, and of course, I, I'm not a physician, but as far as I know, only women have ever been pregnant in our in the history of humankind. But they also attacked me for saying unborn child. They wanted it to say fetus. Of course, fetus is a Latin word that means offspring, so it's effectively the same thing, but we made it say unborn child. But this is why it matters to have a conservative secretary of state. This is why it's important that I was, you know, uh, uh, I was endorsed last year by Donald Trump, the only secretary of state in the country to earn his endorsement, and overwhelmingly elected to this office, reelected to this office, in fact, with a record-setting number of votes. And so we were able to put truthful language on the ballot, not the dishonest language that the issue one team, the proponents of issue one had proposed. We worked with the pro-life community very carefully to craft that language. And as that report that you just showed uh, or just talked about says, that when you put truthful information in front of voters, I think they're going to reject this radical amendment. And that's what we did. We put truthful information on the ballot. Yeah, I'm, I was uh, looking at that report again, that NBC report that we're talking about um, uh, from uh, the NBC uh, station in Columbus, and it cited um, researchers at Ohio Northern University that uh, that that did a, a study to see how people would respond to the language of the proposed amendment as written by uh, uh, the League of Women Voters versus the actual ballot language that the board decided on. And they decided, or rather they discovered through their research, that um, there's a pretty significant impact of the language on the ballot um, that, that favors the no on issue one side. Can you speak to that? Yeah, words matter. And um, issue one was written in a very deceptive way to make it look like this is just some innocuous thing about women's right to choose. But what is really built into this is loopholes that you could drive a hay wagon through that will open the door to potentially underage gender transition, which is child abuse, could be enshrined in our Constitution, uh, will open the door to underage children being subjected to abortion without their parents' knowledge, will legalize abortion all the way through the end of pregnancy, which is barbaric. Uh, and, um, you know, one of the other things that, that, that people should, should know about this uh, is that it takes away that, that parental involvement. And, and just 
in a time when a child may have to make a, a life-altering decision, that's when a child needs to have their parents around them, not be hustled off to an abortion facility by some school counselor without their parents knowing. Uh, we are talking with Secretary of State Frank LaRose. The, the, the one issue that people brought up to me, and you and I talked about this, so we'll just, we'll just hit it quickly, is I agree with you about changing it from pregnant patient to pregnant woman. Because um, clearly, well, let me rephrase. I agree with getting rid of pregnant patient because, uh, you know, obviously only females can get pregnant. The idea that males can get pregnant is, of course, a big pop culture or cultural flashpoint right now where the trans movement is trying to change human biology. It's ridiculous. It should not have been in the language. Some can express concern, though, that using the word woman confers adult status on the individuals requesting the abortion, and it defeats the message of, hey, minors will be able to access abortion without parental consent there. Was there any thought given to that when that word was changed in the, uh, from the amendment to the ballot language? You know, not regarding the age of uh, you know, what constitutes a woman. I'll say this, though. When we worked on this ballot language, we worked with the leading pro-life advocates in the nation and their lawyers. And it was very intentional that we didn't want it to say pregnant patient. We wanted it to be clear that only women can be pregnant. But also right. the name of the campaign to defeat issue one is called Protect Women Ohio. The, the slogan on the yard sign say Protect Women's Health the argument written by Senator Rogner and Senator Reynolds uh, and Representative Miller say protect women right there in the header. And so, you know, that was very intentional. This is about protecting women uh, and, and of all ages, by the way, and, and making sure that we don't have this radical, dangerous pro-abortion amendment passed that would jeopardize the health and the life of, of women in our state of all ages. Yeah, and, uh, and and that is important. <clears throat> Excuse me. That is very important, and I'm glad to know that the uh, pro-life community that helped kind of craft this um, did indeed, you know, see the, the you know the value in getting rid of, rid of pregnant patient. And I'm hopeful. Uh, I'm hopeful that um, you know the the woman part of this is 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 clear to people that you mean female by that, not necessarily adult. In fact, Secretary LaRose, you you brought this up to me as well. <clears throat> And for the sake of, uh, of of thoroughness, let's let's repeat this. The entire actual proposed amendment language is on display at all polling locations, right? Not just what's on the actual ballot language, but the amendment itself is on display, right? Absolutely, as required by law. In fact, you're going to see a large poster because not only the issue one language, but the issue two language, which is many, many words. It's a lot to read. Uh, that's required to be posted at every polling location. It was required to be published on our website, voteohio.gov, and published in newspapers for three consecutive weeks all over the state. So anybody that wants to do their research should do that, but I think it's pretty clear voting no on issue one rejects this radical extreme effort to, to codify in our state constitution the most extreme abortion law in the country. Is there any ambiguity to the to the line in this uh in this extreme legislate or this extreme constitutional amendment that says um, it will always allow an unborn child to be aborted, this this constitutional amendment would at any stage of pregnancy, regardless of viability, if in the treating physician's determination, the abortion is necessary to protect a woman's life or health. And I ask that, Mr. Secretary, because 
the online pushback that that is coming from the pro-abort side of this, the yes on issue one side, is that it's not true that a woman can abort her baby up until the moment of birth, which Governor DeWine has said in multiple forums. I have said, broadcasters have said, and others have shared online. They're saying it's not true, but how is that line that I just read that is in the ballot language, how is that even remotely ambiguous at any time as long as the abortionist says that this woman's health is in danger, which can mean mental health, psychological health, financial health, relationship health, or whatever, right? I mean, I don't understand how they can deny the reality of what the actual language says. Yeah, the yes on one crowd is incredibly dishonest and intentionally dishonest. They sh- they shrouded their, their language in, in legalese in, in the way that they wrote this. But let's be clear, and this is why I fought so hard, including having to go to court and defend this, to make sure that the ballot language clearly says that this would allow abortion at any stage of pregnancy. Because what the language that if this thing were to pass, and that would be a tragedy, if this language were to pass, what it would say in our Constitution is that the treating physician gets to decide if it is in the health interest of the pregnant woman, uh, pregnant patient, the way they write it, uh, to to get an abortion. The treating physician is the abortionist who makes his money based on how many abortions he performs. So the treating physician would get to decide if it at eight and a half or nine months is in the, as you said, social health, economic health, mental health interest of of the pregnant patient, pregnant woman, uh, to have that abortion. So this would legalize abortion all the way through the end of pregnancy. And this is really ugly. It may even open the door to taxpayer-funded abortion, because if it's a constitutional right, then it may uh, eventually be found by the courts that this is something that uh, state health insurance programs and state uh, uh, indigent care uh, health programs have to cover, and that would be an absolute tragedy as well. I completely agree. Secretary of State Frank LaRose, um, turnout going to be high today. I know I asked you at the beginning, and you don't know for sure, but uh, but but would you suggest, in your opinion, this is only opinion-based, is a high turnout better for the yes on issue one side or the no on issue one side, or you just can't tell? Well, I think a high turnout is good for Ohio in general. We always want to see a high turnout. I but I think I that uh, conservative voters will show up to vote in droves. And, and I think that a high turnout throughout our state is a good thing for those of us that want to defeat this. And uh, and I think that we'll see that high turnout. And again, it's up to your listeners to get their friends out to vote and even to talk to their pro-choice friends about how extreme this is and get them out to vote as well. You got till 730 tonight. You even get a free sticker. There's no reason not to do it. We want to see that high turnout. I think it'll bode uh, well for us if we get that high turnout. I really hope you're right. In fact, I'm doing a sign of the cross right now on live radio. You don't have to see me to know that I did it and saying a prayer for that because I'm worried that the high turnout could favor the yes side because they were so livid when Roe versus Wade was was, uh, repealed. And uh, they've decided to go state to state and pass these extremist things, and they're fired up to do it. So we have to match their fire and their passion with righteous passion uh, in voting no on this thing. So let's get a massive turnout of pro-life people in the state of Ohio that don't want this extreme, and even pro-choicers. Who, who know that this is too extreme, literally up until the moment of birth. We have to reach out to those people, too. Even if you're pro-choice, you know that this is just a bridge too far. Um, so, Secretary LaRose, I know you support that message as well. I thank you for coming on. Thank you for fighting against uh, this extreme amendment. And uh, hopefully we have a smooth and high-turnout election today. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Right. There's uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose. We took it all the way to 10 o'clock. This next hour is going to be devoted to calls from candidates and from people speaking on the issues that we're voting on today. I am going to carve out some time at 1035 for Jack Windsor uh, from the Ohio Press Network. He has been all over issue one and issue two. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Hour number two is underway now, eight minutes past 10 o'clock on this Tuesday, the seventh morning of the 11th month. And let's hope it is indeed the year of our Lord, the year of our Lord touching the hearts and the minds of Ohio voters. 2023. Um, Election Day 2023, we're deciding on maybe the most important ballot initiative that this state has ever had. Certainly in my lifetime and our lifetimes, um, that, that, that case can be made. What we are talking about is the uh, ballot initiative that affects life and death. Quite literally, this is a life or death election, particularly when it comes to uh, pre-born lives. I want to share this with you. <clears throat> And I want you to listen very, very carefully to it. The video demonstration is probably a little more uh, convincing than the audio, but it will work. This is from testimony before the um, House Judiciary Committee from four years? Yeah, 2019, I believe this was, four years ago. Uh, I can't swear to that part of it, but uh, it was 2019 or 2020. is in that range. Anyway, this is a House Judiciary Committee uh, in which they were discussing the medical procedures performed on pregnant women by Planned Parenthood abortionists. And it was a part of the investigation by this committee into Planned Parenthood harvesting and then selling off fetal body parts and organs. Okay? They brought several abortion doctors who... um, have turned away from the barbaric practice to testify. One of them was Dr. Anthony Levitino. Dr. Levitino, as you will hear in the introduction by uh, Chairman Bob Goodlatte at the time, Anthony Levitino is an abortionist who had an epiphany, and he explains why at the end of this, uh, this presentation I'm about to share with you, uh, he had an epiphany that made him turn away from the barbaric practice that he engaged in for years and years and years. I want you to listen to this very, very carefully. And if you are on the fence about whether or not you support issue one, I hope this will shove you over to the pro-life side of the fence when you hear the reality of what late-term abortions sound like. And by late-term, we're talking about anything after 20 weeks. Because babies are pain-capable at 15 weeks when their central nervous systems develop. At 20 weeks, they... Well, I'll let Anthony Levitino tell you the specifics about it, but this is considered late-term abortion, 20 weeks and past. Please listen very carefully. If you are on the fence about whether or not you think late-term abortions, which this amendment would allow literally all the way up until the 40th week of pregnancy... 
Because that's right, pregnancy's typically, gestational period is 40 weeks. We call it 39 because it's easier to do in three 13-week trimesters. But typically and specifically, it is 40 weeks. But at any rate, up until the moment of birth is what we mean when we see what, when, what we see in this extreme abortion amendment. But please listen to this very, very important testimony. Dr. Anthony Levitino. Dr. Levitino is a board-certified obstetrician-gynecologist. Over the course of his career, Dr. Levitino has practiced obstetrics and gynecology in both private and university settings, including as an associate professor of OBGYN at the Albany Medical College. And Dr. Levitino, we'll begin with you. Welcome. Thank you, Chairman and members of the committee. Um, I only have five minutes, so I'm going to get right to it. Second trimester D&E abortions perform between roughly 14 and 24 weeks of gestation. Your patient today is 17 years old. She's 22 weeks pregnant. Her baby is the length of your hand plus a couple of inches. And she's been feeling her baby kick for the last several weeks. She's asleep on an operating room table. You walk into that operating room scrubbed and gowned, and after removing laminaria, you introduce a suction catheter into the uterus. This is a 14 French suction catheter. If she were 12 weeks pregnant or less, basically the width of your hand is smaller, you could basically do the entire procedure with this. But babies this big don't fit through catheters this size. After suctioning the amniotic fluid out from around the baby, you introduce an instrument called a sofa clamp. It's about 13 inches long. It's made of stainless steel. The business end of this clamp is about two and a half inches long and a half inch wide. There are rows of sharp teeth. This is a grasping instrument. When it gets a hold of something, it does not let go. A DNA procedure is a blind abortion, so picture yourself introducing this and grabbing anything you can blindly and pull, and I do mean hard, and out pops a leg about that big, which you put down on the table next to you. Reach in again, pull again, pull out an arm about the same length, which you put down on the table next to you, and use this instrument again and again to tear out the spine, the intestines, the heart and lungs. Head in the baby that size is about the size of a large plum, can't see it, but you pretty good idea you've got it if you've got your instrument around something and your fingers are spread about as far as they go. You know you did it right if you crush down on the instrument and white material runs out of the cervix. That was the baby's brains. Then you could pull out skull pieces. And you have a day like I had a lot of times, sometimes a little face comes back and stares back at you. Congratulations, you just successfully performed a second trimester Dini abortion. You just affirmed her right to choose. I want to let that marinate for a moment. That's a second semester DNA dilation and extraction abortion. That that's second trimester. Take whatever percentage of disgust and horror you feel when you hear that and add it um by that amount, by that percentage, to get into the third trimester, to get into the mid-third trimester. All of the things you just heard will be whatever percentage of disgust more that you feel, that much more graphic, disgusting, barbaric, horrific, sadistic to that baby that is pain-capable, that is being dismembered, limb by limb before the skull is crushed by that sofa clamp and the white liquid pours out of the cervix, um, which, as you just heard the doctor say, and he did over 12 
hundred of these was the baby's brains. Why did this doctor who did this barbaric procedure over 1,200 times stop doing it? That's the second part of the, of the story. One more question, Dr. Levitino. Why did you end your practice of doing abortions? I did over 1,200 abortions over a four-year period in private practice, not counting the ones that I did during my training. Um, I met my wife at, um, during my first year of training at Albany Medical Center. We got married about a year later and found that we had an infertility problem. After years of failed infertility treatment and several years trying to adopt a child, we were blessed with a, adopting a, a little girl that we named Heather in August of 1978. Um, as sometimes happens in those situations, my wife got pregnant the very next month and we had two children ten months apart. Um, Two months short of my daughter Heather's sixth birthday, she was killed in an auto accident and literally died in her arms in the back of an ambulance. Anyone who has children might think they have some idea of what that feels like, but unless you've been through it yourself, you have no idea whatsoever. Um, I know people find it hard to believe, but uh, what do you do after disaster? You bury your child and then you go back to your life. And I don't remember exactly how long it was after my daughter died that I showed up at Albany Medical Center OR number 9 to perform my first second trimester d &E abortion. I wasn't thinking of it as anything special. This was routine to me. Um, but I reached in, literally pulled out an arm or leg and got sick. You know, earlier on I described stacking up body parts on the side of the table. It's not to, you know, gross people out, to use a simple term. When you do an, an abortion, you need to keep inventory. You have to make sure you get two arms and two legs and all the pieces. If you don't, your patient's going to come back infected, bleeding, or dead. Um, so I soldiered on and finished that abortion. And I know it sounds, as I said, hard for people to believe, but I'm, I'm telling you straight up my experience. You know, after over 1,200 abortions, first and second trimester up to 24 weeks and all the rest of it, and being very dedicated to it, for the first time in my life, I really looked. I really looked at that pile of body parts on the side of the table and I didn't see her wonderful right to choose and I didn't see all the money I just made. All I could see was somebody's son or daughter. And I stopped doing late-term abortions after that and several months later stopped doing all abortions. That testimony was offered under oath <clears throat> before the House Judiciary Committee from Dr. Anthony Levitino. I posted it on my Rumble channel and a few other places on social media earlier this week and, in fact, late last week, and people said, oh, that's not reliable, that's Rumble. He didn't testify to Rumble. He testified to Congress under oath, penalty of perjury, and described his 1,200 abortion experiences that way and then described why he stopped. This is a moment for you to choose. Do you want to affirm the woman's, quote, right to choose and have more abortionists carry out that barbaric procedure I just described and, or he just described, and worse, once you get into third trimester abortions? Because that's the choice. There's no in-between. There's no, a little bit, you either support the painful dismemberment of a child in utero and yanking him out of his mother's womb through her cervix 
and assembling the body parts on a tray to make sure they all got out so the mother doesn't uh, become infected or get sepsis or something horrific, you either support that barbaric act and you will vote yes today, or you will say that is too extreme to allow and you will vote no today. I hope that makes it as clear as it has to be. Ten twenty four, always right. Radio on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I'm getting word. Seth, can you uh, give me uh, the specifics? Where are the billboards on four eighty that are encouraging no votes on issue one, that have been up for days, if not weeks, that suddenly on election day are malfunctioning? Am I hearing that right? Where are we getting that info? Caller, okay. Somebody else is posting it on social media, but nobody told me specifically where. I'd like to find out where, and I'd like somebody else, if you are driving by that area today and you see that billboard malfunctioning, confirm or tell me that it's working again, because for goodness sakes, I hope that this is not something that is intentional. I hope it is a technical glitch in the system. We have those here, so it can happen. I don't want to automatically confer nefarious intent on on uh, you know on, on the situation by somebody, but uh, that is very interesting that on election day the no on on issue one billboards the electronic billboards are malfunctioning. That's a problem. Okay, Shay Hawkins uh, from Broadview Heights on line two joining us on AM fourteen twenty. The answer he is running for city council in Broadview Heights. Shay, good morning. Bob, thanks for having me on. We are very excited today. Tell us about your campaign. Tell us what do you need the voters yes, to know to show up today in Broadview Heights and, and, and pull the lever or tap the screen for Shea Hawkins. Yes, yes. So I am running to maintain um, maintain our city's great services um, without, without, without unnecessary tax increases. Uh, in 2022, my opponent forced a 40 percent property tax increase on the ballot associated with certain services in the city. That that increase was voted down by voters in Broadview Heights by 20 points. And I'm running to make sure that he can't put it back on the ballot in 2024 if he's reelected here in 23. And so I am pro taxpayer. um, And I have I've been blessed with a great background as a former tax counsel for Congressman Jim Renacci and later for Senator Tim Scott, um, where I've dealt with large budgets, I've dealt with taxes. And so I have the experience and the education to maintain our city services, uh, but, but do so without uh, taxing seniors and homeowners. Uh, That's a great platform, Shay, if I may. That's a great platform because we are all suffering tremendously from Biden inflation, a higher cost at the gas pump, higher cost at the grocery at the grocery store. We don't need to be paying higher taxes, local taxes on top of that. So uh, your 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 tax experience working for Mr. Renacci and for Senator Scott, that's that's tremendous experience. Shay Hawkins, City Council, Broadview Heights. Shay, I wish you the best. I know you. I've talked to you, and I really, really uh, am supportive of you, and I hope this works out uh, for the uh, taxpayers of Broadview Heights and they get you into that council today. Thank you, Shay. Thanks so much, Bob. God bless you. 
Uh, let's go to Alice in Elyria. That's my hometown. Alice, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. You're running for mayor. Tell us about your campaign. Hi, Bob. Thank you for having me on. Um, I don't have any experience in and I've basically been selected by the Republican Party in Elyria um, to run for mayor because they wanted someone who can actually turn the city around and make it profitable and help it thrive. We have a lot in Elyria that, that we should be a thriving city. We have two rivers coming into the city, one river going out, two waterfalls, a beautiful cave grotto. Then we also have two major interstates that have exits right on our, our main throughway in our city. And our city is nowhere in comparison to growth as our neighboring cities like North Ridgeville and Avon and... Um, I would dare say Amherst and Avon Lake or other cities, other, other cities in the county yeah. that are thriving, and Elyria is not. And, I agree with you. And we're not. And we've got the two major, city, two major um, exits for the interstate, including, including our um, turnpike. So we should be thriving. And what has been holding it back has been the same families controlling our city council, controlling what gets done in the city. If it's to make the city machine larger, stronger, more powerful, it all gets voted yes. But if there's anything presented to city council that's going to help the little guy, the, the person running a daycare, the entrepreneur opening up a, um, a restaurant, they're all voted down. Zoning is voted down for them. But if they want to build a new training center for the police station, zoning gets passed without any discussion. Yeah, and, there are uh, more. I can ta- I can testify to this because uh, I live there. There are more boarded up businesses that simply cannot stay operational in the city of Elyria because of lack of support and more uh, than I can even imagine. There is a need for change in the city of Elyria. Alice, what's your website? Dr. Alice for mayor. Dr. Alice for mayor. Dr. Alice Gobiel for mayor of the city of Elyria. Thank you for calling in. I wish you the best of luck today. Elyria is a is a difficult town. It's a very blue city, just like the city of Lorraine. The two biggest cities in Lorraine County are very, very blue and very, very democratic. It's very hard for a Republican to get a foothold in either one of those. But uh, Alice is running, and there you have that. By the way, which is why I also support, as I said earlier in the program, in Lorraine County, issue twenty to expand the commissioners from three to seven because the three county commissioners almost always uh, are concerned only about the two biggest cities, Lorraine and Elyria, and the other count, uh, cities and townships in Lorraine County get ignored. Um, the seven-member board of commissioners would give them all a seat at the table and actually be able to uh, advocate for themselves. It would not add four more salaries to the county, by the way. It would be at the same pot split seven ways instead of three. So I support yes on issue 20 out in Lorraine County. Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, 1035, we continue now at AM 1420, The Answer, Election Day 2023. The day we decide whether or not Ohio believes in life or if Ohio is going to be the first domino to fall. Uh, Red state in the middle of the heartland, becoming as extreme and pro-death as the states of California, New York, 
uh, Oregon, Massachusetts, Washington, or, uh, Washington State, the states on the coast, the big blue pro-death states. I cannot believe we might become more extreme than they are. It all comes down to you. I told you I've been on a campaign all morning long, and I've been doing it during my commercial breaks as well. If you are a friend of mine and you are a listener and, you, and I have your phone number, you probably have received a text message from me that says, uh, I am texting five friends to remind you to vote no on issue one today, and I am asking you to do the same. As I said at the top, the microphone and the transmitter are very powerful tools, but they are limited because you have to have the radio on to get these messages. If you have a phone, it doesn't have to be on. Well, it has to be powered on, but you will be alerted. You will get that message from a friend by way of a ring, a beep, a tone, or a vibration. And you'll look down and you'll be reminded, yes, I have to go and vote today. And I have to vote no on issue one. And I have to vote no on issue two as well. And then I am going to pass that along to five other people who will get automatic notifications. Sometimes. True grassroots activism gets even better reach than broadcast media does sometimes. And I say that as a 25-year broadcast media professional. I have power with this microphone. I have power with this transmitter. But I, I have to be turned on. You have to have the radio on for this message to get through. So use the power of the transmitter in your phone, in your pocket. Your phone is in your pocket or in your purse. Use it to share that message with people on your contact list. That's what I'm doing all day today. And you know who else is doing that? Jack Windsor's doing that. I know, because he showed me exactly what he is sending out to people on his contact list a little bit earlier this morning. Jack Windsor is the founder and the editor-in-chief of the Ohio Press Network online at theohiopressnetwork.com, and he joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Jack, good morning. All right. Do I have Jack? choosing me today, man. Oh, there he Can is. Can you hear me, Bob? Yeah, yeah, we didn't. Hey, Bob. Yeah, gotcha. I'm here. Thanks for choosing me today. I'm honored to be with you. Jack, the, um, uh, the, the issue that we have been discussing for the last several weeks all comes to a head today. I am getting word from the people that I talk to of high turnout in the early going, meaning people who stopped in to vote before work today. Obviously, throughout the day, things may shift and change, but I'm getting uh, word that the precincts are very busy right now. How do you view that? How do you analyze that? Is that a good thing for the yes on issue one side or a good thing for the no on issue one side? I think it's a good thing for the no on issue one side. And uh, I think we're going to figure out pretty quickly. Frank LaRose has made it a point to unveil early voting numbers uh, first thing on election night. And so we're going to have to keep our eye on that margin. If, uh, if the margin is massive, that spells trouble for no. If it's tighter, then I think there's a chance, particularly if there's heavy turnout. Because, look, even though Republicans and conservatives, people who are of uh, more conservative ilk, even, even if they're more uh, prone to go vote early, there's still a large number of Republican and conservative voters who just believe that they show up on Election Day. So 60 degrees, uh, overcast, no rain. Uh, it should be a fantastic day for turnout. And if turnout is high, I think that spells uh, a good sign for uh, no on issue one. Secretary LaRose told me the same thing about an hour ago, that he thinks uh, that a good turnout or strong turnout is uh, is good for no one issue one. But I'll say the same thing to you that I said to him. I know how livid the the radical pro-death left was uh, when Roe was overturned. 
Uh, they were so angry by the decision. They said, we're then going to take this to the states and we're going to ramp it up and we're going to do exactly what they don't want. And we're going we're to put into effect laws, legislation, or in this case, a constitutional mm-hmm. amendment that are stronger and therefore more extreme than Roe ever was. They're going to make us pay. Yep. They were highly motivated to come out here and do that. So, I, again, I just kind of wonder about that high turnout, how much more motivated they might be than even we are to protect life. Yeah, you know, and, and that's all going to come out in the wash. And I think it's, you know, at some point it feels like throwing darts blindfolded. But I still think high turnout does favor uh, the no vote. And uh, I believe it for a couple of reasons. There is this idea that uh, there's a status quo bias, right? And and so people who will go out to vote on both sides. And uh, by the way, it's going to be independents who carry this. It's, it's Even though this is not a partisan issue, this is a moral issue. This is what happens when you allow postmodernism to thrive in your culture where there's no moral truth, where there's no North Star, where everything is negotiable. This is this is what happens. And so the independent voters are going to decide this. And I think um, that because there's this status quo bias, meaning I'm not real sure about th- what this does, so I'd rather keep things the way that they are instead of changing them. I think that I think that helps out, too. But I think there's also been a secret weapon. And if you would have asked me two years ago if Mike DeWine would be a secret weapon, I would have said, I don't think so. I think he's the secret weapon in this campaign, Bob. I think he's the guy, along with Fran, who got on TV and probably stirred the emotions of some people that, you know, I I would call them the the blue-haired Republicans who really aren't sure. They kind of are buying the media narrative that, hey, this protects women's reproductive health. But when Governor DeWine got on TV and said, no, this just goes too far. This is extreme. This is not Ohio. Um, I think I think he has a lot to do with that. I think Frank LaRose and some of the other statewide who have been out knocking on doors have a lot to do with that. So I stand by high turnout being good for, for now. I like that analysis. We're talking to Jack Windsor. He is the editor-in-chief and the founder of the Ohio Press Network online. You can subscribe to theohiopressnetwork.com. Um, so um, Governor DeWine has uh, has played a huge role in this. I wish he had played a bigger role in the special elect- election August 8th, because now I think we'd feel very, very comfortable that they're not going to get 60% of Ohio voters to support no. something so extreme. But they don't need 60% now. Because of that failure in August, they only need 50%, half of the state plus one voter, to make all of the difference. Uh, Jack, what message are you giving? I know you are you are ardently pro-life. You spoke mm-hmm. at the... Uh, at the um, um, uh, pro-life event uh, two years ago that I MC each March, and I have for at least the last four years anyway. Uh, but you spoke at that event. You have been online and you have been on radio ardently uh, arguing uh, uh, opposed in opposition to issue one. What is your last-minute pitch here to the voters before they go to their uh, their ballot places? Yeah, I'll handle the straw man arguments first. My daughter was supposed to have Down syndrome, and she's she didn't. And if she would have, I wouldn't have aborted her anyway. I have a member of my family that was born at 21 weeks uh, and weighed a pound and a half. Uh, so when people say that it's a fetus and it's unviable, I say BS. So those are straw man arguments. But the real issue is some people, a lot of people do want abortion, but they want abortion that's safe, that's legal and rare. And this ain't it. Uh, this is abortion on demand for matters of convenience. It's in the amendment. I've talked about it until I'm blue in the face. It also opens the door to allow our kids gender transition and abort without parental involvement. It is radical. If you don't believe me, just look at the people who bankrolled it and wrote the language. I'm talking about Planned Parenthood and the ACLU, and they both for years have said abortion should be limitless and parental involvement is an obstruction. So it's all there. And so that's my my argument. You know, there are exceptions for the mother's life and, and threats to her 
major bodily function health and, and ectopic pregnancies and miscarriages are already covered. So those are all red herring and straw man arguments. This just goes too far. Jack Windsor, I know you've got to get ready for your broadcast here, so we'll wrap with this. Tonight, 8 p.m., tell everybody what we're doing. You and I are going to provide live election night coverage. We'll probably analyze the numbers on issue one and issue two, maybe talk about some key school board races. Uh, but we're going to run it back with Bob and Jack, and you're going to get the coverage here that you won't get at places like NBC4i and News Channel 5 in Cleveland because uh, we don't we don't, we don't don't dither and we don't engage in BS. So you're going to get the hard truth tonight, so make sure you tune in. We're going to tell the truth, and we're going to, you know, and if Ohio votes to uh, pass this extreme ban, we are going to, uh, we're going to cover it, and we're going to talk about what it means. We're going to talk about where to go from here. If, if we are fortunate enough to defeat this evil, we will celebrate it as well. But we are live streaming Run It Back with Bob and Jack. That is our personal podcast. We will do it live starting at 8 p.m. Polls close at 7.30. We'll stay on until we get the important results that we need. We'll take your reactions by way of comment. You can follow that and watch that live stream on Jack Windsor's Facebook page. Page, right, Jack? And uh, what, yes, other, what, what other locations can people watch that? Uh, it's going to be my Facebook page, my personal page, the investigative reporter page, and, and your Facebook page. Uh, and then, of course, we'll have it out on Rumble uh, shortly, shortly, shortly thereafter. thereafter. Perfect. Okay. Yep. So run it back with Bob and Jack tonight at 8 o'clock. We will provide live stream coverage of the results, and we'll take your comments as well uh, on Run It Back. Jack Windsor, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, continued success to you, and uh, let's say a prayer uh, today. Let's say many prayers today that we get the result we need tonight. Yes, sir. Let's get it done, Bob. Thank you, I'll Jack. talk to you tonight. Thanks, man. You got it. That's Jack Windsor on AM 1420, The Answer. Jack, if you don't know, he has been uh, doing some radio of his own. He has been filling in for uh, Bruce Hooley, who is a host on our sister station in Columbus, The Answer in Columbus, um, who uh, suffered a medical uh, emergency and, in fact, uh, had brain surgery. And I won't get too personal because it's not my place to do that with Bruce. But Jack has been hosting his show for the last three weeks, Monday through Friday, down in Columbus. So he's very busy himself. And I've been a guest on his show, just as he is on mine, so that we can make sure that we cover the state with the right messaging. Uh, Governor Mike DeWine, uh, Jack just pointed out, and, and correctly so, has been has played a major, major role in this. Uh, as you know, I do not have a lot of love for what I used to call the little Napoleon because he acted like a tyrant during COVID. But I will give him credit and props for stepping up and being uh, almost tireless in his efforts. He is on TV. He's doing interviews. He's doing appearances at uh, events. Uh, he is uh, he's speaking out as, as much as humanly possible. He and his wife, Fran, on, uh, on opposing this extreme abortion amendment. So uh, I hope... I hope that he still has the pull with some independence uh, that he did during COVID because he enjoyed some support from far too many people during COVID. And I'm hoping that those are independents who still want to listen to Mike DeWine because in this case, this time, Mike DeWine is on the right side. This case, this time, Mike DeWine is on the side of what is righteous as well as right. So Jack Windsor, I think, is right. Independents are going to carry the day here. This is not necessarily just a right versus left, a, a red versus blue, a Republican versus Democrat. Yes, overwhelmingly Republicans oppose abortion. Yes, overwhelmingly Democrats support abortion. But this is not just an abortion issue. This is a massively different type of amendment that strips parents of rights. It goes into uh, beyond abortion. It goes into transition surgeries, gender sex changes, gender changes, and so forth. All of this included in that language for a very, very uh, uh, nefarious reason. And uh, so I think there are going to be 
people of morality and people who value uh, choice but also value life, the independents who don't fall on one side or the other of that blue-red scale who are going to make the difference here, make the decision here. They'll make the difference, and let's hope that they agree, that even if they may be pro-choice to an extent, this barbarism just goes too far. And that's the message from Governor DeWine as well. All right, I want to take a time out here because I want to get more phone calls in. 216-901-0945 from candidates or from people arguing on behalf of various issues in your locations, in your districts, school board candidates, council member, or council. Okay, 1052, 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110. We're taking calls today from candidates on local in local races and local issues. And it looks like on line one, I've got Rob Slattery from Brooklyn, who's got one of those local races he would like to pitch his Hello? candidacy for. Rob, good morning. Go right ahead, sir. Good morning. I appreciate the time. Yes, uh, running for mayor in the city of Brooklyn, lived in a community my entire life, 55 years. I uh, was a retired police officer from the city of Brooklyn. I'm actually on school board right now, finishing up my fourth year, graduate of Brooklyn High School. I, I love my community, and I just want to give back in a different way and help protect uh, in a, just a different venue. Well, that's uh, that's a lot of service. A police officer, you retired from police? Yeah, I am, yes. I was injured in line of duty. was forced out on a disability. Wow. Well, so thank you for your service uh, in in the poli- on the police force. There, you said you're on the school board now as well, and now you're running for mayor. Tell me about your race. Uh, can you can you tell me anything about your opponent? What separates you, and why you're the guy? Well, we have uh, I have two opponents. Uh, one being the uh, was council president for the last seven plus years. Um, our mayor quit, so per the charter, he was uh, elevated to mayor. Uh-huh. And then they filled the open position on council and then promoted someone to fill his spot as council president. They've both been involved in the mix for a handful of years. Um, for the last five years, I have been at nearly every city council meeting, planning, zoning, charter review, civil service. And my biggest issue is we don't have enough police and firefighters and service workers. Uh, they have allowed the, sta- the safety forces, the staffing to dwindle the dangerous levels for the past two and a half, almost three years now, 95% of our fire uh, staffing, the shifts have been short shift. So there's a 90 90 to 95% chance every day firefighters are going in to work their 24-hour shift. They're going to get forced over to a second shift. Um, Our guys are getting ground up. Um, You know, for five years I've been told, oh, it's budget, it's budget, it's budget. Well, they never seem to find the money. Um, but it's kind of uh, self-serving now in an election year. Uh, under last year's budget, they had not allotted all kinds of money, but now they see the need to hire police and hire firefighters and make all these promises. Mm-hmm. And it's just self-serving because they happen to do it during an election year, but the last five years they did nothing. Well, that says a lot. That says an awful lot. And obviously a person with your background in law enforcement, I can see why that's very important to you. And today, in this in this culture that we are in right now, police forces are understaffed in cities all across the state and all across America. And those states are in very, or those cities, I should say, are in very, very uh, dire circumstances. Crime is on the rise in huge numbers in every place where police is not a priority. So I think that's a good message that you're running on there. Rob Slattery for mayor of Brooklyn. Uh, Rob, thank you for coming on. Thanks again for your service. Also to the school board, which is crucial as well. And I wish you the best of luck today. 
Well, I appreciate it. I, th- I appreciate your show and everything you do to uh, back up law enforcement. It means quite a bit to them. Well, thank you for saying that, Rob. And, uh, again, best of luck in that mayoral race today. All right, that's Rob Slattery. He's running for mayor of Brooklyn, and uh, I have it on good authority that he is a tremendous guy and very much so the best candidate for that job. And I do support law enforcement, and I do support that message he just shared. And if the other folks are just giving lip service to first responders and law enforcement now because it's election season, that's not the way to get it done. Terry is in uh, Cleveland next. Terry, welcome to the program. You're on the air. Go ahead. How's it going, Bob? Hey, um, I was just approached by some family members that were misguided on issue one, and they were going to vote yes on issue one, and they saw an article in the Sun News, an article uh, commentary about getting to the truth of issue one. It was written by co-president of the National Council of Jewish Women. And these two women wrote an article supporting issue one, and I couldn't believe that they were doing this, especially since the light what what just happened with babies in Israel. But they made some points. Uh, they wanted to speak to the truth because they say in, in uh, Judaism there's three fundamentals: one is truth, one is justice, one is peace. Wanted to speak to the truth, and they listed three issues. The first being it strengthens parents' rights. The second one, it uh, it says issue one clearly states that abortion can be limited. And the third one, it says issue one does not change the current law requiring minor children seeking abortion to have parental consent. And I think all three well, of these are lies. They are. They are lies. This is all that they have. They literally are. And I'm going to and I don't care about their status as Jews or anyone else right. who wrote this or does this. They are honestly tools of Satan because the prince of deception guides the hand and the tongues of people like this to continue to do his bidding. And that's all this is. Every single one of the three things you just mentioned are easily, demonstrably, provably false. Um, look at the language in the amendment that they would be voting yes for. Look at what it does. Uh, it, 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 it is absolutely the opposite of everything and, that, that and this I just person said. Just, and I, I don't care who to, wrote it. I don't care if some Jewish right. woman wrote it or not. Say, I just want to say, if you read any faith-based article, it should say no. And, and another thing about the parental rights, if, if you have a – I have a daughter. You have a daughter, you know, college age. I have a daughter that's past college age, but – Let's say she was 13, 14, or 15, and a boyfriend or some stalker got her pregnant. Do you think she's going to want to go home and tell her parents about that? Or do you think the boyfriend or stalker is going to tell them, come with me, I'll get you an abortion, and nobody will ever know? 100%. 100%. That is exactly what it does. This protects after, predators. This 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 right. bill if, or this uh, amendment, if it passes, protects predators now, after, and puts after, young, young girls at risk. After that, you know, it's, it's open season because... Because any stalker can drug a little girl, get her pregnant, and then have the abortion, and then he'll just keep doing that over and over and over again to probably many girls because, like I said, what's easier, to go have an abortion nobody knows or, or go tell your parents and be pregnant for nine months? Yeah, no, you're you're a thousand percent right, uh, and I'm glad you called to share that story. And and I yeah. could and thank you for the call, Terry. I could sit here and read you lie after lie after lie after lie just on my Twitter feed from the Yes on Issue One side. They are just repeating the same easily disprovable lies that they have run on the television uh, uh, commercial uh, campaign as well. 
they have nothing that they can actually run on to support their position on this radical extreme abortion issue that is true. So they have to tell the lies about what it really does. Um, we've got a time out here for the top of the hour news. We're going to come back. I've got more calls. I've got a great guest we're going to be joined by to talk more about it. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Seven minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock on this Tuesday, the seventh morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2023, otherwise known as Election Day 2023, a day in which the state of Ohio decides whether or not we believe in life or whether or not we believe in terminating life for convenience. That is ultimately what this comes down to. There's there's a lot of people, there are a lot of people that are trying to um, complicate the matter. I'm maybe guilty of it somewhat, too, because I'm talking about the language of this constitutional amendment for issue one, and I'm talking about how ambiguous it is, how malleable it is, how easily distorted it can be, how we have to read not just the words and the lines of the proposed constitutional amendment, but we have to read between them because of the things that they allow. I want to try to take some of the uh, uh, complexity away from it here and just say this is a matter of whether or not you believe in life or death. Does it do, do do preborn lives matter for those who like to get into the debate of all lives matter versus black lives matter or what have you uh, over the course of the last few years? If all lives matter, then preborn lives matter as well. Separate lives matter. It's why we here in the state of Ohio supported the heartbeat bill and supported the heartbeat law, which is no longer an in effect law because it is in. It, it is in litigation. It is there's an injunction. It's 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 in a court right now. We don't know if it's ever going to be back or not. What we do know is that it will be irrelevant, even if it is restored, and issue number one passes because constitutional amendments trump, supersede, take precedent over legislation in the state of Ohio. So, do you believe in life, or do you believe in? terminating life for the purposes of convenience, literally all the way up until the moment of birth. That's the reality of where we are. Joining us now to discuss this uh, crucial issue as you head to the polls today, and I'm just praying to God, literally making the sign of the cross again now as I say this, that we reach undecided voters in time. If you just are not sure, please listen to people like Sue Swayze Liebel. She is the Director of State Affairs and the Midwest Regional Director of the uh, Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America Organization. Uh, Sue, thank you for coming on with us this morning. How are you? I am fine. Thank you very much for having me. And that was a great intro. I couldn't agree more. 
Well, you know, the more political uh, type people that I talk to, people who do this for a living, who study, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the voting habits and the demographics and so forth, they're saying that this isn't as much of a Republican versus Democrat issue as many things are. You know, even though Republicans are usually overwhelmingly pro-life, Democrats usually pro-choice, pro, uh, uh, or as I like to say, the opposite of life is death, so they're pro-death. But it's the independents, Sue, that I'm told are going to make the decision here, because there was, a, there was a moral question that is at issue that I think supersedes party. Do you agree with that? I do agree with, I, I do agree with that. Um, unfortunately, it's become so mm-hmm. politicized that people, uh, let's say, in the middle or, uh, or independents, aren't really sure who to believe. And another thing we've seen, um, not just in Ohio, mind you, but in other states, this is going on in some other states, there'll be at least eight more uh, next year, is that people don't really believe that it's true. Like, oh, come on. You can, you can, uh, you'd be able to abort a baby, late-term abortion, you know, um, partial birth abortion, like in Michigan, they're trying to bring that back. Um, and those are that's when a baby can feel the pain. They can feel itself being dismembered. And we are only one of seven countries on the planet that allows that. But most people don't know that. They, and if I say it to that, too, they, they may not believe me. But it's true. And so some of this has gone so far that I think some people just don't even understand what happens in real life anymore with abortion um, or that don't understand how far it's gone or how far these folks want to go to kill innocent life. And I would add one thing, if I may. Mm-hmm. This is also about women. If, if this passes, if issue one passes, it would also remove the health and safety standards that we expect as, as modern Americans. So, you know, in, in today's medical marketplace, we would expect that a doctor would have to do it. There would be that somebody would inspect to make sure it's clean, or the instruments are sterile or whatever. We expect that that's true in today's medical marketplace. This would remove all of those safeguards that Ohio has in place. Those and throw women important. under the bus. Yeah, those are very important, and I'm glad to hear you remind people of that. I, I tried to explain this, and I, I've posted a few uh, um, uh, uh, videos, I guess. Uh, one is an actual animated video. One is just video of a testimony that given by a former abortion doctor, Dr. Anthony Levitino, that shows the yeah. danger of this, not just for, obviously, the baby that is ripped apart in a second trimester abortion, which is what the mm-hmm. video showed, but, the, but if they miss anything. If they don't scrape out every last body part and remnant of that child and the placenta, there is a very significant chance of, of an infection and sepsis and things that can actually kill a woman. People think that abortion is, that is never exactly a threat right. to the woman, and it is. I mean, I, you probably have statistics on it at Susan B. Anthony, don't you? Well, they may, and, the, and the other side makes it sound so safe, right? Yeah, it's they do. safer than taking Tylenol. That's just not true. In fact, I'd like to show you one better. Today, in, in the year 2023, um, more than 50% of all abortions are from the pills, the abortion, the chemical abortion drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems so simple just to take, you know, a pill or two uh, and follow the pill regimen. Unfortunately, the pills have a four times greater rate of complications, and emergency room visits have increased over 500% um, from 2007 to 2015 when we did the research on that. So, the pills are actually more dangerous than the old-fashioned, if you will, surgical abortion because that very thing, all the body parts don't come out. She can go septic very quickly. 
Um, and so rural women beware um, if you can't get to an emergency room fast enough. Um, and by the way, if this passes, um, we, you, don't, you know, the doctor doesn't have to even be near a hospital or have a, admitting privileges or anything. I mean, you and I would not accept that with any other medical procedure, you know. Um, and, but women are vulnerable and they're preying on women. They would take, they would remove these safety and health standards. Uh, not to mention, not to mention, uh, parental consent and these other things, which I know you've already talked about. But it leaves. Well, let's, women let's talk about that alone. again. Yeah, let's talk about okay. that again. We're talking to Sue Swayze Liebel. She is the State Affairs Director and the Midwest Regional Director at the Susan B. Anthony Foundation, uh, which is an or- organization, of course, uh, dedicated to pro-life causes. Let's talk, because you've used the word woman multiple times now. Woman, of course, is defined as, as an adult human female, and Ohio is not limiting this uh, a right to, quote-unquote, reproductive health care or reproductive choices to adults. Um, that means, by, by definition, when they say just an individual, it can mean a minor. It can mean a child. It can mean a, a teenage girl who... Uh, either maybe just was a little bit careless and found herself in a situation. All she and her boyfriend have to do is put a few hundred bucks together from their part-time jobs, and they can go get this uh, baby uh, uh, removed from her without her parent ever even knowing it happened. And moreover, Sue, predators, predators are loving the prospect of this because if they do indeed commit statutory rape and rape a a child, you know, a a, a preteen or a teenager or an adolescent or what have you, and, and impregnates them, they can just take them, pay for an abortion. The parent never knows it. It just puts so many people in jeopardy. That's exactly right. You said it so well. And remember the case of the soccer coach that got her pregnant and took her for an abortion. I mean, this is, and, and then the advent of the pills makes it even even easier for someone to be coerced or abused um, and forced to get an abortion. So with, without any oversight now, if this is part of the Constitution and they removed some of those guardrails we may never know. Um, I, hey, I want to add one more example. Like you said to the young girl, you're exactly right. The using of the word individual mm-hmm. takes that out of the realm of gender. It could be your son wanting to get the trans um, drugs or trans surgeries or whatever to help him transition. Right. And so so it's, it's all kinds of reproductive freedom, if you will, uh, but for uh, confused and um, scared teenagers, um, it's even worse to think of leaving them alone for these kinds of decisions that are life-changing. Um, another cautionary tale I might add is happening right now as we speak, literally maybe as we speak today or tomorrow, votes in Michigan in the Michigan legislature. One year ago, they had the ballot question, and Michigan voted yes. So that made a right to abortion in the Michigan Constitution, and what has the legislature done? The legislature has remo- is removing right now with the bills that are going through the House and Senate, removing all of the health and safety measures, removing any sort of informed consent for the woman. Uh, they would not even license or inspect clinics. Um, that's how we get the Gosnells of the world and the and you know the horrific, uh, dirty and uh, crazy situations in abortion clinics that you've heard about. Um, and so. A cautionary tale to my friends in Ohio. Uh, look at Michigan. They did the very same thing, and now they're starting to pull down all of those. And they don't have to. Even though if it's in the Constitution, there could still be standards of care, just like there are in the medical community. But no, I was informed, Sue, I was informed uh, just a few days ago that last week 
the Michigan legislature just lifted their ban on partial birth abortions, which is something they were able to do because of what you just said that Michigan said yes to last year. Can you confirm that? I can confirm that the Michigan, and this is complicated, but the House, the Michigan House of Representatives removed the ban on partial birth abortion and sent that back to the Senate. Now, it'll be either today or tomorrow when the Senate will act on that. Will they put it back in? Will they not? Mm-hmm. Certainly, we know that the governor uh, will sign it if it's uh, if it's not it, if it's if it's removed. So um, it's still in process is, is what I'm okay. getting at. Okay. Uh, it's still moving through the process. And basically they they want to, to bring partial birth abortion back. And that is the most gruesome of all procedures. By the way, the baby can feel excruciating pain while it's being killed. That's another. And that's what late term abortion wants does. to talk about. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about that. I was. Uh, I, was, I know. I was, I was playing the uh, one of the videos that uh, the animated videos that Dr. Anthony Levitino uh, uh, produced, and he, of course, is a former abortion provider. He per- performed over twelve hundred abortions in his career, many of them second trimester or quote unquote late term abortions, twenty, twenty two, twenty three weeks. And he described, you know, babies are pain capable yes. with their central nervous systems at fifteen weeks. 20, 22 right. weeks, they can feel every bit of the dismemberment that they are enduring, and they struggle, according to nurses who have seen the ultrasounds while these things are going on, to try to evade the, you know, the instruments that are being used to, to tear them apart. So that pain now, here's a scary is fact taboo. To know. We're not supposed to talk about that, though. That's what we're talking well, about. Well, and, and here's what you also need to know, is those are done on a regular basis. Your local hospital, your average doctor, OBGYN, they don't do those. Um, there are they are never necessary medically, never. There are ways to deal with that. That's Ironically, that's called health care. But my, I digress. Um, famous late-term abortionist who invented that procedure by the name of Dr. Martin Haskell mm-hmm. is actually funding uh, the people that want this to pass in, in Ohio. So he's actually helping fund the issue one because he's a late-term abortionist. And so um, I, think it was average... and th- I think it was $100,000, if I'm not mistaken, is what he donated to the Yes on Issue mm-hmm. 1 campaign. Mm-hmm. Think about why that is. Why would a, the most uh, infamous late-term abortionist in, in the country put money into Issue 1? It's because it would allow late-term abortions just exactly. like that. Um, yeah, and he'd make more money. <laughs> Sue, can you can you speak to this? We're talking to Sue Swayze Liebel. She is the uh, director of state affairs and Midwest regional director of the Susan B. Anthony Pro Life America organization. The, the the yes side of this is claiming that the quote unquote ban, the Ohio heartbeat law, which of course is has been in, in, enjoined, it's it's uh, you know it's in a it's in a state of flux right now. We have to see if a court yeah. will even allow this to take effect. But even if it is in effect, they're claiming, and all of their ads and online, I've been arguing with people for weeks, they're claiming that that law. Um, will not allow even a raped child to get an abortion, that there are no exceptions for rape and incest whatsoever in that heartbeat law, that once we reach six weeks, it doesn't matter what happened, you are forced to carry your rapist baby. Can you speak to the reality of what the Ohio uh, heartbeat law is? Well, the heartbeat law is still in court, so I'm not sure how that's going to all wash out. Um, But here's, here's the kicker. If this passes, today, then that's all out the window um, because it'll be worse than that. Um, If this passes, it'll be 100% full-on access, leaving women in the lurch, leaving girls and boys alone to be be coerced um, 
and um, and you know d- dirty facilities. I mean, you name it, um, the, uh, it's going to happen. So the other thing, I here's where I thought you were going to go with that. That um, they also claim that if if this doesn't pass, the women can't get health care if if women, for example, is having a miscarriage or a very dangerous ectopic pregnancy or something like that. And we know that's, that's another lie absolutely that they're telling not you. true. Yes. Yes. That's a lie as well today and every day. We looked at all 50 states. All 50 states have um, a, the ability under their abortion laws still treat miscarriages, still treat um, ectopic pregnancy. And the irony of all that is that those are health care procedures. There are standard procedures in place to help women with um, dangerous or um, health issues. Uh, that they need when they're pregnant, Th- those would not go out the window. But the- that they're lying and saying that they no, would. That, that's a very important element the to this too. The, the reason I brought up the the important Cruel. question that I did too about this, uh, you know, about the heartbeat law, if this was what Ohio was mm-hmm. governed by, if issue two, if she, issue one rather is defeated, um, is that that's mm-hmm. not true either about the no no abortion, uh, you know, a ban. Um, the six mm-hmm. the six weeks is roughly the time that it takes for a fetal heartbeat to be to be detectable. But the point is, I would imagine that if anybody suffers something, and of course we wish it didn't exist, but we know it does, rape. If someone is raped, you still have a month and a half after that terrible thing happens to to pee on a stick and find out if you were impregnated by that violent mm-hmm. act. And if you mm-hmm. are, the mm-hmm. law allows you to have that pregnancy terminated in the very early stages of it before anything like pain capability mm-hmm. and so forth. The idea mm-hmm. that there is no exception for rape and incest and there's no um, you know, way for somebody who suffers rape in Ohio, unless issue one passes, they have to carry the rapist baby, is just a flat-out lie, and that's what I want people to know as well. Yes, yes. In fact, we've mentioned a number of lies today, which I, I think is, I'm, I'm so glad we're talking about it today, and I hope people are listening, even on their way to the polls. That's why we're um, doing it. Yeah, issue one is fraught with lies. Um, use your common sense. Um, you, you don't think doctors would really be able to treat a miscarriage or an ectopic pregnancy, or um, you, you know, you want certainly you want children to have um, input from their parents or guardians or adults that care for them in these important decisions. All these sorts of things. Use your use your common sense. Something's very wrong with this picture, and 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 it is very wrong with this picture because issue one. It's so extreme. It goes too far. It does indeed. And that's uh, that's why we want to talk to people on Election Day as they head to vote, maybe even right now. Sue Swayze-Liebel, the Director of State Affairs with the uh, Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America Organization. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for telling truth, replacing lies with reality, so that hopefully those independents we started our conversation with who just aren't sure whether or not this is too extreme, understand it is that. Even if you are pro-choice to some degree or some extent, you can't be pro-choice all the way up until the moment of birth, which is what this Mm -hmm. amendment would bring about. So hopefully we're affecting and impacting those people right now as they are on the way to the polls. Sue, thank you for what you do and what Susan B. Anthony does. We appreciate it very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. God bless you. It's 1125. We'll take our uh, final time out here. And, uh, well, maybe our final time out. I'm not exactly sure where we'll fall on this clock. But uh, the rest of the show is yours, 216-901-0945. you got a candidate you want to speak for. If you are a candidate, if there's an issue you want to speak Life, liberty, 
and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, 1135, we've got 10 minutes left together before Bill O'Reilly takes you to the top of the hour. 10 minutes left to uh, impress upon you the importance of yes on issue one, or excuse me, uh, on, on no on issue one and no on issue two. The yes on issue one crowd just continues to spew lies. I am battling them with every single uh, breath that I have and every single keystroke that I have online. They just literally ignore the, the reality before them. They're telling me it doesn't allow birth, or excuse me, it doesn't allow abortion all the way up to the moment of birth. And I'm pasting for them the language directly from the constitutional amendment proposal that says, yes, it allows it up until the moment of birth, not in those words, but it says that in the, if in the opinion of the medical provider, which is the abortionist, an abortion after viability is necessary to protect the life or health of the mother. That abortion cannot be restricted. And I'm posting it, and I'm sharing it, and I'm highlighting it, and I'm circling it. It says health, not life of the mother, health of the mother. That means all a mother has to do is be in a really bad relationship that she didn't think she was going to be in at the time. She just got divorced. The, the guy that the, the father just broke up with her. She's in an emotional state of mind and her emotional health cannot allow her to have this baby now. They can rip that baby out at any time before birth. Emotional health is just as much health as physical health, mental health, depression, financial health. The mother and the father just lost their jobs. Oh, we, we're going to have a problem paying for this baby. We've got to end this pregnancy. Well, you're due in three weeks. Doesn't matter. Can't afford it. My finance. When they leave it as open, in, open to interpretation as they have it with the word health, that means for any reason in the, in, in the uh, opinion of the medical provider or the abortionist, the person is not healthy, then she can have that baby killed. It's just that simple. Like I said earlier in the show, I know it's complex. I know there are a lot of intricacies to it because of a lot of inferences allowed by the very malleable language. But at the end of the day, you are either pro-life and supportive of a right to live, or you are pro-death and you are pro-giving a woman the right to be an executioner. Well, to order an execution to be carried out by somebody that has a medical license but does not deserve the title doctor. I mean, it really is, is when, when you boil it down, it's, it, it's a belief in life or death. Charlie is the politically incorrect mechanic in Lakewood, otherwise known as Flakewood. Charlie, good morning. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob, thanks a lot for everything you've been doing and hammering back on all of these uh, falsehoods and, and lies. Uh, one thing I wanted to push back on is something I heard during the 11 o'clock newscast. Uh, the woman that works for Salem Radio said that the six-week abortion ban would uh, has no exceptions in it for rape and incest and life of the mother, and it's patently false because those wait, exceptions. Wait, 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 hold has, on, hold on, hold on. What? what, what yeah, I, I don't know what you're what, what you're what you're saying. What did you hear? What, say that again. On the during the eleven o'clock news, I the lady's the lady's name was Donna something Waters or Walker or something. I couldn't I couldn't make it out. Okay, but she brought up she was talking about issue one. And she brought up the six-week ban that we passed after after Roe got reversed, right? And uh, said that in the six-week ban, 
There's no exception. The heart, for, it's a heart, for it's technically, it's not a six week. It's it's a heartbeat. It's 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 when the heartbeat, heartbeat can be detected. Right. Yeah, I know. I just well, it's important she, to me. That's what she called it. Yeah, the vernacular is important there because you know that's what. Yeah. So, well, so you're I, saying I that the, I'm, so you're saying that the the the, the news person uh, um, who, who by the way we don't know they're not here locally. Uh, right. The news person said that uh, said that there is no exception. There's no exceptions in that in that in that and and, and as we've repeated. Me and you both on this radio station; mm-hmm. those exceptions are built into the Ohio Revised Code. They, the, in some cases, Medicaid will even pay for them, and this, and 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 the life of the mother thing isn't even a question, other than in the in the in the in the mouths of the deceivers. Yeah, well, so, you're right. You're you're right. And 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 by the way, the exceptions to the heartbeat law are literally written by the attorney general. For crying out loud, they're 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 very clearly defined in the Ohio Revised Code. You're exactly right that there are exceptions there. So I don't know why that particular line got into that newscast. Like I said, I, if they were in the studio, I would find that out and tell them. Uh, but uh, but but yeah, that is misinformation or disinformation that we need to uh, refute immediately and let everybody know that the heartbeat. And like I said to the uh, previous guest that I had on, Charlie, um, you know, there are six weeks roughly before a heartbeat can be detected. Even if you have unplanned or unprotected sex, and God forbid you suffer through an actual sexual assault, to ensure that you can indeed terminate that pregnancy if that is your choice and that's what you want to do, you have a month and a half to go and and have a pregnancy test. Pee on a stick, find out, and then have that pregnancy terminated before the heartbeat can be detected. All of these things are realities that they don't want us to know exist. Of course not. Of course not, and I just want to make sure everybody understands. Get your butts to the polls. If you go into the polls, take the sign out of your front yard. Go stick it over by the polling place in the designated areas. Take somebody with you, and then if you have time for a half hour, 45 minutes, stand outside of the 100-foot perimeter and advocate your cause to try and convince people not to vote for this nonsense. Uh, it's, it, you know, remind them that this is an amendment, not a law. And because it is an amendment, it'll be used to strike down existing laws on age restrictions, existing laws on parental consent. It'll be stricken down as unconstitutional if this is allowed to pass. We cannot let this pass. Amen. So, to that. That's a great point. It's out of, glad you, it's out of our you hands called. after this. I'm glad you called. You suggested that to me, and I forgot about it. So that's a great point. Get those signs out of your yard now. Once you uh, go to vote, take them with you and plant them at the location and encourage people. Because I think one of the things that happens is they try to make you feel like it's overwhelming and you're going to be defeated, and maybe it stops you from even going to get in that big, long line to vote. When you see a bunch of signs that are saying no, 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 no on on issue one, maybe it will encourage you. You know what? We can do this thing. So I agree with you, Charlie. It's great advice. Thank you, my man. Thank you. Have a good one. You too, bud. Charlie is uh, at uh, he. Charlie recorded some videos, by the way, that he has posted on uh, on Facebook and uh, social media, and I have shared and liked those as well because he's very passionate about it. He makes many of the same points I do. Sometimes it's better to come from a different voice than the one you hear every day. So I love the fact that he and others are doing the same thing. Uh, let's go to. Um, let's see. It's Pastor Peter in Rocky River. Uh, wants to talk about issue number one as well. Pastor, good morning. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. I just wanted to make your listeners, our listeners, because I love, love your uh, show and all that you're doing to help America and Northeast Ohio, aware of a great resource. Some friends of mine have a ministry called Living Waters out of California. It's actually a worldwide ministry. Kurt Cameron, who had the TV show, helped mm-hmm. launch it. 
And uh, they have a, a film called What Is It that just came out. If you go to YouTube and just put in What Is It movie on YouTube, you'll find it. It's about a 56-minute um, video that is a fabulous documentary asking people on the street how they feel about what's growing inside a woman. But it is three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.